Hi guys, and welcome to Honest Theology, a podcast where we ask real questions about a real faith and a real God. Today we're finishing up our three-part series that lightly brushes on the topic of church, and today we are going back to the future. The church is going to break through, and I'm absolutely certain that. That's why I say, you know, I really if you could hit the reset button, would you? I'm Paul Serstad with Dr. Hugh Osgood. Let's be honest. So, Hugh, um, to go back to the future, we need to go to the past. Um, and so we're going to go to this bit of Acts. And when I read Acts, um, it's such an exciting book. It really, like, every time I, it, cap- it captivates my imagination. Um, and then, you know, Acts 28 comes, and it just ends and there's no real wrap-up do you know like all the all the gospels have got this really nice you know and this is how it will be or this is how it ends and all the letters have got this like see you later guys i'm going off to do this don't know why paul's american um but acts just kind of goes Bloop. well it's unfinished history i mean it doesn't even finish paul's life so no. it just stops you know he was two years house arrest in rome and then we don't get any more yeah so you have to piece it together in other ways. Yeah. So I, I think, is that... I know if we've just looked at it as a historical document. It's an unfinished historical document. But looking greater than that, do you think it's kind of done on purpose? Because it feels unfinished. Yeah, well, it is unfinished. I mean, the rest of church history has still got to unfold, hasn't it, really? Yeah, and, but there's that, there's that organisation that I just love the name of, Acts 29, um, which is a church planting movement. Yeah. But I just love the name Acts Act 29 because I'm like, it's oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's still going furthering. on. I mean, so the, the, the growth of the church and, and the church movement following on from Acts is unfinished. What, what is left over? Why, why isn't it finished? Well, Christ hasn't yet returned. So that's the, that's the finishing point. That's uh-huh. the culmination of history. Uh, he's coming back for a church that's without spot and without wrinkle. So there's a lot of work to do in getting the gospel proclaimed around the world, working with the church to get it to the kind of position that the Lord wants it to be in. So it's it's unfinished business. So the church is meant to be without spot and without wrinkle. Well, he says he's coming back for a church like that. Going to be disappointed, isn't he? Um, <laughs> that's, uh, but we can be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye. So there could be a sense in which... When he returns, we're going to be like him because we see him as he is. Ah, oh. could be that, couldn't it? It could, it could. Or, or does it? Does it mean? Is that like a self? We've got to make sure that we're all good and pure. Or is it that the church is fully so invested in Christ that we are surrounded by His grace and therefore? Yeah, I like that. I also realise though that when we talk about being surrounded by His grace, it's got to be worked into our lives. You know, uh-huh. we just can't hide and say, "Well, I'm clothed in Christ, so I can get away with it," because it's Him that God's looking at. Mm-hmm. He looks at us too, so we've got to be prepared to change. So, yeah, I think there are things that God's doing in the church right now. He's taking us forward. Um, perfection, I think, is something that's stored up for when the Lord returns and we're changed into His likeness. But, yeah, he's, he's wanting the church to change. He's wanting the church to get out there and evangelize. There's still a lot of work to do. So they're, they're the things we're waiting for, for the, for the church to be, not waiting for, to, to be doing, the church to be without spot, without wrinkle, and the church to... Yeah, be reaching the world. They're important things. Mm. Although this idea that if we do all of that, then it's just going to click into place. 
is not quite like it because it does actually say that 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 day and that hour is something that God knows and he's got that fixed. So how much we can hasten it is an interesting question. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I think only he knows when we reach the world, isn't it? I mean, I don't know the guys on the other side of the world where they're, what they're doing and what. Because it it seems to me that it it really looks like you get the end of the Gospels and you get the Great Commission, each in their own way in in each of the Gospel accounts. Um, And then you get Acts, which you see the starting of this, because that's what it really looks like to me. the fulfilling of the Great Commission, or at least the yes, start. Yes, the beginning. It's the, it's the beginning, beginning, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it just ends looks to me as if, like, the Great Commission isn't yet been finished or Yeah, fulfilled. I think we'd all agree on that, that it's, it's amazing how much happened in those early years, but there's still a lot to do. And even if the Gospel's preached in all the world so that we can say that every nation has heard the Gospel, there's another generation coming up that hasn't heard the Gospel. So you have to keep that process going too, don't you? So... <laughs> So, so when's the end so going to come? That's why I say, you know, <laughs> we leave that one with the Lord. <laughs> right, okay. So, But, I mean, does that does that make us give up and just go, okay, right, we'll just carry on plodding along? Or, or should we be, what should we actively be doing? Should Should today's church look like the church in Acts? Or should it look like... Well, for a start, I think that actually the Christian life is quite exciting. So, you know, plodding along is not an expression I'd really use. Just waiting for something the Lord I to see, come though. Back. Yeah, it's something <laughs> I see too, but it's not what it's meant to be, is no. it? It's meant to be a dynamic church, living out the life of God with that sense of excitement. Yeah, believing that the Lord's coming back to set everything in place, but still enjoying that presence of God right here, right now, mm. and living in that fullness. Okay, the church tomorrow. We, in the previous podcast, we've looked at how um, there have been all these splits, these you know denominational and belief um, variances. Um, are, are we? Do, do I mean from your perspective, the way we're going forward? Because there seems to be a lot of ecumenical talk, a lot of things going. Oh, we should group together and stuff. Is that the way the church is heading? Are we seeing? convergences or do you think that we're going to see more and more and more splits and what and what should it be it's interesting I, I think there's been quite a significant change in the ecumenical agenda there was one point where it did seem as if everyone was looking for an organizationally united church that's not so much what people are talking about now when people talk about visible unity it did mean that at one point when all the world could just see one organization mm. but i think people are realizing now that god is infinitely diverse and we can have these different expressions and the real key to visual unity is that the world sees how much we love one another so diversity helps us really because it can show that we have got that love and that respect for each other despite the differences which i think is a, a really key thing um well so that, be sound, more that sounds like an opportunity that, to, to display that love yeah, for one another. Yeah, it is a tremendous opportunity. I that's think that's something a real, we've got to do. That's a real choice, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's a choice we ought to make, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really? absolutely. Yeah, say, yeah. no, come on, I really want to express that. People might do things differently, but hey, come on, we've got to to just accept that there's a... there's um, Do you know, sometimes the we squabble over personal preferences, which are really quite minor, 
But there are big issues too that we need to face and some of those we just can't sweep under the carpet. But mm. even though we're dealing with them, talking to each other about them, there's still the sense that there should be a love and respect there. And I think that's really important. So I, I, I think that's really good. I think the church, will it see more, more diversity? Yeah, probably. I think so. As, as the gospel touches different lives, different sectors of society, we'll see different expressions of church. I'm very comfortable with that. Mm. But we are seeing... Um there seems to be a trend of a global expression in church because of because the world is you know is is getting smaller because of the internet so we're seeing churches replicate things like hillsong like hdb sure. um because they like the look of it they see the success that it has they see that you know something that they're doing is is right and it, it clearly the, the the way it's expanding mm-hmm. and growing um but then it also makes it look very westernized in other cultures yeah, and that can be a problem, but in some cultures, actually, there's such a, an extroversion tendency. People want to look out to Western culture that it can even be an evangelistic opportunity. Mm. I've spent a lot of time in some countries really trying to push that. Let's make it as local as possible. You know, let's just in Pakistan, make it feel very Pakistani. And people come and I say, well, why do I want that? You know, I, I, I want to see Christianity as it is in the West. I want to be a participator oh, in that. Right. So you sometimes get these sort of inconsistencies where you'd think that, you know, turning it all into something that's very culturally relevant and people are actually looking for that global expression. So I, 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 I love being in places where I yeah. can, you know, get the worship in a style that fits the local culture. But more and more, as you say, it's Hillsong, it's... You know, all of those kind of things. People used to listen to the old Hosanna praise tapes and generate that is, in the past. Is that, is that because we kind of seem to have, a, I don't want to say monopoly, but a, a real big say in the media? Because we don't, I don't see many Western churches looking to the East and going, oh, I want to replicate that. Maybe we should. Um, yeah, yeah but I, I mean, you may be right. It, it may just be that the, the, the media is very weighted in the direction we see it and it'd be great to see that change it really would yeah not to see more diverse expressions yeah absolutely um so so uh the um tomorrow's church what what should it because we live in a a bit of a a, a post-christian culture Mm -hmm. um and the, the west has kind of moved on to you know morality being its god in some in some senses um you know it's the thing that they serve is if something's morally right or wrong and and it's but they have real problems working out what is and what isn't morally right and wrong. yeah but but where does the church sit in that because now because it used to be like i mean the things like uh, orphanages and things like loving your neighbor and stuff it all came from a Christian start, like it all, it was revolutionary when Jesus was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, love the, the people who hate you and stuff. Now, because it's so in, uh, integrated into our culture, um, and even in, in Eastern cultures as well, that that looks like the norm, whereas it d- did come from an expression of loving like Christ did. But now because it's the norm, now that morality is like this thing that, oh, that's the thing that we do, where does the church now sit? Because the way that we were seen was, goodness me, the, the way they love is so incredible that everyone kind of took that and just left Jesus behind. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, Jesus said in his day, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the, of the Pharisees. And, and so really he was taking 
what society considered to be the most righteous people and saying, you've got to do better than that. And I think he'd say to the church the same today, look, you know, there are people in the world that, that claim to be loving, that do all of these kind of things. You've got to do better than that. And I think that where the challenge comes is dealing with some of those areas where society doesn't feel comfortable dealing with people. And I, I, I agree, it's good to see what society does. I think it's absolutely right that people are in, in the context of national life reaching out and doing those things. I wouldn't want it any other way. I don't want to say, hey, come off that. That's what the church is meant to be doing. But I do think the church has got to find just that way of showing the life of Christ in, in an authenticity that, that will still speak. So if Jesus could say it in his day, in a, in a culture where the righteousness, the legalistic righteousness seemed to be the prerogative of the, 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 the Pharisees, and he'd say, you've got to do better than that, I think he'd say something similar to us. Mm. That there's still opportunity for the church to be able to demonstrate love in, in ways. And, and there's a sense in which we need to, to discover a fresh a sense of selflessness in these kind of things too. Um, and be prepared to to find levels of grace and humility. Sometimes, you know, the world is doing better than the church on some of those things, and yeah. we've got to actually up our game. I'm sure that's exactly what we must do. And I think that's the difficulty, because if you, I'm sure if you put the combined efforts of every single church, it would blow anyone else out of the water. But because we don't see that unity, we do see them as so many splits, it... It is quite hard to see. Well, I think the church in the future has got to get to the point where it's able to put a sense of unity across, a sense of collaboration, and to do that in a way that is gracious and effective. So I, I don't have a problem, for example, of noting that in some you know societies where we've done a, a community audit to what churches are providing, then in fact the church is providing a huge amount of social care. And yes, it looks fragmented because different churches are doing it in different ways. But you know, if we're if we're serious about this, then yeah, let's continue doing it. And in some ways, I think where we get caught up is that. Maybe the church is still trying to do it to be seen because they say, mm -hmm. you know, by this all world shall know that you're my disciples. In the and they're thinking, well, we need to be seen to be loving one another. But we, we need to be loving one another whether we're seen or not. It's not about just doing it for appearance's sake. So what does a... Because uh, um, we're, we're speaking a lot about the church and the world mm -hmm. as, you know, as, as two separate entities. What, what does better integration look like what between the church and the world mm. Mm. it's it's one of those things where i feel that some of the integration that we're seeing is not as constructive as it should be um, the church is meant to be definitely leaning on christ and centered on christ um, there are things where the world has picked up really good principles from the church recycles them and then sort of presents them back to us but when they come back, they come back without that dependence on Christ. And so what we sometimes see with this kind of recycling of things that the church once did, and then the world picks it up, and now the church is trying to pick up things from the world, it's, it's not always as constructive as one might think. I, I, I know that actually integration, as, as you're looking at it, I'm not quite sure that that's what we're looking for. I think we're looking for the church to be light in the world, um, I think when the church tries to over-identify, sometimes it, it hits real problems mm, and, okay. and becomes a compromised church. So, you know, the light becomes compromised in that kind of situation. 
But yeah, I do see that things recycled, but I do very often see that the good ideas are there, but without the, the center of the gospel, the cross of Christ, the, yeah, yeah. the sacrifice that, that Jesus makes. And yeah, I get concerned when the church feels that, you know, let's take it the world's way. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right, I, I want to ask then about something, a different kind of church, which is um, you, you see these location-based churches mm-hmm. opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if I'm right, they are like either cafes or they are, I don't know, a cinema or there's something which are churches, mm-hmm. um, but they also run as as cafes. I, I don't really. Do you know more about these? Well, I know they happen, and yeah. I've seen good examples where they work. Yeah, and I get really excited because I think that this is quite amazing. But I think that what you've got to do is to realise that that when a church is doing that, they're doing it with a real deliberate intention of being open, bringing mm-hmm. people in. That's really, really positive, and I think we need to see more of that. Um, but I think again, it's this question of being able to have that distinctive testimony. You've got that open approach, but you've still got a distinctive testimony in the midst of it. I still think, you know, despite the fact that the world now offers so much, that there's still a hunger in people's hearts for something that's more, something that's Mm -hmm. different. And that, I think, you can only find in Christ. So if the church is, you know, opening the doors and and, and having an inclusivity and then is offering something distinctive, I think that's really positive. So if they come and ask for a coffee, they say, yeah, but do you want the water? of life that you'll never thirst from again is that is that where you're going with this no, you don't have to do it like that every time some people are really good at doing that and they do it really naturally some of us do it like that and it's like oh really sort of clumsy yeah you've and got, would you like to be saved with your oatmeal well you've got to, you've got to work within what what's yeah, what's yeah, natural yeah. and what's normal because otherwise people just sense that this is something that you're obliged to do rather mm. than something that's coming out of your heart that you feel a real sense of commitment and a lot of it comes out of a concern for people i think that uh, the best way i find to to get a conversation is to encourage people to talk about themselves and where they're at rather than to come at them with this is what i want you to know let's find out where people are at and then speak into that situation i get a sense of of a slight degree of fear um from established churches of location-based churches of these like cafes and things like that Except um, some of the established churches are doing a really good job of establishing themselves as well in terms of having some of these alternative expressions. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I want to ask about. Is is that the kind of model that we should... Because I think, I guess the fear comes from a lack of accountability, a sense, if they just set one up themselves. Well, some parts of the church are always really anxious about accountability. Yeah. And it's kind of, well, if you're not accountable to me, then I'm really concerned. And it's a little bit of a control thing. But everyone's got to be an accountable to Christ, and we're told in Scripture to submit to one another. So there is a sense in which accountability is good. But we don't want that accountability to crush creativity and to bring everything under some kind of dominant control. So, yeah, there are fears that, that some churches have, and they've got to overcome those fears and realize that you know we, we should be genuinely desiring to reach people with the gospel, and that means that we've got to do it in different ways. And that shouldn't be a problem. It should be something that we rejoice in. Do you say that partnership with these things are at work, work or or don't work? You know, when it's those, well, let's say you've got a local cafe that is a, should they be partnered with a another church or could they run by themselves? Well, I can't see why they can't run by themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's a real heart there and there are people that are, are effectively managing that situation, 
why can't they run by themselves? But the good relationships with the local church is always it's important. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's important. Okay, let's, I'm going to ask you a, a simple question. The, the church, where the church is today, if you could hit the reset button, would you? Would I hit the reset button? I don't think we need to hit the reset button. Um, I think if the church was completely walking in the wrong direction without any guidance from the Holy Spirit, yeah, definitely hit the reset button. But I do feel that the Holy Spirit is still very much in control mm -hmm. and we need to submit more to the Holy Spirit, listening more, being prepared to uh, adjust again. I think reset button, it wouldn't hurt us to go and look at what the church was like in the beginning and see some of that dynamism and expect to, to draw on that. But I don't think we need to hit the reset button. The Holy Spirit's there. He can bring that life into the church. So I, I think we need to push on um, rather okay. than reset and make the adjustments on the journey that are necessary in order to be the church that we should be. We, we talk a lot about looking back at, you know, at what the church was meant to be, which I guess is looking at the book of Acts and, and, mm -hmm. and the, uh, the, the, the letters um, and bringing that back into the, to our future church. Um, or at least the, the heart of it. It's the heart of it, because it wasn't problem-free. There were loads and loads of yeah. problems in the early church, and we're not trying to replicate those. We've got enough of our own. But we're trying to find the dynamism, the, the sense of resurrection power, the understanding of the cross that enabled the church to go through those situations. Because it was an un, un, I, you know, just such an amazing period of growth, mm. um, and we need, we need to see that. But, but we also seem to be bringing a lot of other things with us, um, and not from that period, but... Uh, you know, <laughs> what from, you mean things that have gathered over the last 2,000 years? Well, yeah, essentially, which have accumulated into tradition, um, which we don't see in Scripture, um, but has just happened for so many numbers of reasons. Some, I'm sure, are, are really positive. They've been like, oh, it's a tradition to, you know, give to charity or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then there's other traditions like you can clearly see it's from a, a, a power grab or, or yeah, uh, and we we kind of see them set up in kind of all churches today, mm. really. Even mm. temple models, they didn't. You know, we that you can yeah. go. Oh, Constantine brought that in by looking at the the whole saints thing, looking at the worshiping of the dead mm. and stuff like that. It, it, does does tradition have a place in tomorrow's church? There'll always be a sense in which there's tradition. The problem is that. We mustn't see tradition, as Jesus said, you know, the problem is your tradition makes the word of God of no effect. So there's a sense in which you can pile on the tradition to the point where actually it's taking the life out of the church. Um, I was really encouraged. I remember one place I was at, and I used to look out the window of where I was working, and in, in the house next door they turned it into a guest house. So they decided that they'd completely tarmac the back garden. So that all this tons of tarmac arrived right. to turn the back garden into a car park for this guest house. But the amazing thing was, when it came to the spring, there was a fantastic display of daffodils. They'd somehow all managed to come oh, up wow. through the tarmac. And it was such a picture that, you know, there's something about the life of God that even if you try and suppress it with, 
you know, huge weight of tradition, it will still want to break through. And I see that, and I, I want that to break through. <laughs> that, that picture is just amazing. Could it have is. Taken a, taken a photograph of but, it. it was. But also, like, I, I don't want to be the tarmac. No, I don't either. And I think, don't we want to get rid of the tarmac? Yes. Wouldn't I, it be much better if we didn't have any tarmac? <laughs> well, you're not going to get rid of all of that because there's a sense even a denomination that was birthed, you know, even a year or so back has already picked up patterns of, of, of the way it behaves. And that's not a major problem. But it's when it actually suppresses the life down. Mm. And I'm, I'm saying it's quite hard to suppress that life down. And even in some of those places where I look and I think, oh, my goodness, we've got to get beyond the tradition. I still believe that the life of the spirit can break through. But we do need to see more of a breakthrough. And I agree with you. Less tradition gives more room for the spirit. So yeah. Let's go that way. Less tradition, more commission. Yeah, okay, so what you got written down there? I have. A tradition versus commission is what I entitled this little bit. Oh, wow, I'm very impressed. Yeah, but, you know, when you rhyme things. Yeah, I know the way you rhyme. And that's, and that's a tradition. We're rhyming things in our <laughs> yeah, sermons. Um, okay, so fi- final, final few thoughts then, Hugh, on, on what you would like to see from the church in the next few decades. Okay, well, in the next few decades, we're going to see a total change of leadership in the church. In 20 years, you know, people that we've been saying are the next generation, which has been a mistake there, the now generation, are going to be the people that are in senior leadership positions. Um, 20 years' time, you'll be 20 years old. (laughs) So, you know, what's that going to look like? Let's not talk about that. Yeah, well, it's a reality. Mm. If you ask me what it's going to look like in 20 years' time, the church is going to be led by people who at the moment are in their 20s. And I I want to see that generation so fired up, so committed, that we're going to see a church that has energy within it. It's going to be a very different scenario. You were talking earlier about, you know, the fact that at one time the the society was was Christianized and people thought that was an advantage for the church. You very astutely pointed out that it wasn't always an advantage for the church because the more Christianized society is, perhaps the harder it is for the church to stand out in the reality of what it does carry. So I'd like to think that we're going to have unprecedented opportunities. Mm. The society might sort of think that secular route is the way to go but the church is going to break through and i'm absolutely certain of that and i'm so sure that if we get it right in the next few years we can lay an incredible foundation for what god wants to do in the 20 years ahead so let's go for it and let's believe for that and let's see a church that's truly dynamic that's inspirational that's relevant that's touching people's lives that's what i want to see and i i think it is possible great well, thanks, Hugh. That's, uh, that's all from us now. Um, thanks very much. If you've been listening on iTunes or on Google, uh, make sure you like or give us a, a rating, write your comments, be nice. Uh, it just helps us reach more people. And uh, also, Hugh, we've got, uh, got, you've got a conference coming up, haven't you? We have got a conference coming up. Yeah, when's that? Uh, 3rd of November. He's remembered it. I have remembered. Yeah, yeah sure. Well, and, you do, you're speaking yeah. as well. And it's, it's in Bromley. Uh, it's at Christian Cornerstone. Christian, Cornerstone uh, Christian Centre. Cornerstone Christian Centre. It's only three words. You should be able to get them in the right order. CCC. Uh, see what I did there? Yeah, I like know, the Spanish. impressive. See? Yeah. Yeah. Also, really. yeah, yeah, your yeah. childhood is coming to the fore. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, check all the details out on uh, huosgood.com forward slash move. We hope to see you there. And that's all from us. Thanks, guys. God bless.